wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team's every day. It's the only daily Royals podcast and the fastest growing Royals podcast. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles because we talk Royals baseball every single day on this podcast and also over on Twitter. So for today's show, we're going to talk about how I watch baseball and we're also going to talk about the Diamondbacks game. Now, for full transparency, I'm recording this at 1 o'clock Central Time. The game's not until 7 o'clock, so as you can predict, there's no real indication of what the lineups will be or who will play, so it makes it hard to preview, especially in spring training. But we'll give a, a crack at it you know, after we're done talking about how I watch baseball. Now, I've teased this show a few times throughout the last two weeks, and I'm not saying this is how you have to watch baseball. I'm not saying this is the only way to watch baseball. And I'm not saying this is the right way to watch baseball. This is the absolute right way. I'm not proclaiming that I'm smarter than you or more intellectual than you when it comes to baseball. Although, it might be true. I'm just saying this is how I watch baseball, what I value, and what I observe. That way, as we get into the course of the season and we begin to have dialogue and and discourse about what's happening on the field, you'll understand where I'm coming from and what I value that you might not and that you might value. You might agree with me here. The first thing on the list, my golden rule of baseball, is to never bunt. That is my golden rule of baseball, is to never bunt. Now that sounds radical to some of the older generation, but a bunt provides nothing but an out especially in the big league level. At the big league level, you're not going to have guys kicking the ball all over the field on a bunt, and you're not going to have very many guys who are fast enough to beat out a bunt. Against the major league defense, even Billy Hamilton is not fast enough to consistently beat out a bunt. So I would never bunt. The odds say I have a better chance to advance that runner, to score that runner, to move that runner by swinging away. And you know what? If a guy goes 0 for 4 with 4 strikeouts, or 0 for 3 with 3 strikeouts, but on that 4th at-bat, he gives me a home run, I'll take that gladly, rather than having him laid on a bunt because he just, quote, doesn't have it today. I want my hitters to swing away no matter what. I do not want, I do not want to see a bunt, period. My second golden rule is that pitcher wins don't matter at all. So if we are discussing pitchers on this podcast, which we will, if we are talking about who's better at pitching, who's this and that, and comparing two pitchers, I will never use wins. And if you tell me something about a pitcher's record, I will ignore it. Because wins are fundamentally stupid, and we have so many more abilities, we have so many more stats, so many more tools to use to evaluate a pitcher than wins. 
why should a pitcher who goes out there and deals for seven innings, gives up one, maybe two runs in this day and age, that is an excellent outing, even three runs, if you give up three runs through seven innings in 2020, that is incredible. It's a good day. It's a very good day at the office. But if your offense can't score, why should you get penalized for a quality start, for a good start with a quote-unquote loss? It's not on the pitcher. I, I don't care about wins and losses. They're stupid. I don't care about the wins either, by the way. If you go out there and give up you know, five runs in, in six innings, but your team scores seven, I don't care about that win. I don't care about any wins and losses. I don't care how they come out or how they shake out. Because they're irrelevant. So I won't even look at a pitcher's record. I'll never cite a record as a reason why one pitcher is better than the other. Never. There are so many more ways to make that argument rather than the wins and losses. And if your whole argument on a pitcher is predicated on wins and losses, you don't have an argument. So to me, wins and losses for pitchers are stupid. So first golden rule, never bunt. Second golden rule, pitchers, pitcher wins are just stupid. The third golden rule is that errors are stupid. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming for all the basic stats here, but I do not care about errors because simply, the simple fact of the matter is, nobody even knows what an error is. It's so subjective, it's un, it's unbelievable. I'll let you in behind the curtain a little bit. My, my full-time job is within sports information at my university, so we have to stat the baseball games and softball games from time to time. And... There are some older demographic gentlemen who always think two different things about errors. I mean, one of them thinks that, you know, if it, if it touches the glove, it's an error. Another one doesn't even know the rule at all. I mean, no one knows what an error really is. And you can make a case for everything being either an error or not an error. So to me, errors are stupid. And, and first of all, if you do want to break down the fundamental error, it has nothing to do with if it touches your glove or not. The fundamental error, what is an error, is did this play take extraordinary effort or ordinary effort? That's it. That, that's the whole error guideline that you're given. So you can see where there's a ton of gray area in the actual MLB rulebook. That's what the MLB rulebook says if this is an extraordinary play or an ordinary play. That's very subjective. So there, again, there are some way better ways to evaluate a fielder than with errors. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And then the last golden rule for number four is that batting average is not important to me. Now, is it a bonus? Sure. It's a good bonus to have a good batting average. But I more so care about getting on base. I care about your OB, I care about your OBP, you know, your on-base percentage. I care about your OPS. I care about how many times you're on base, not necessarily your batting average. Now, unlike the other stats, unlike the, the wins and the errors, I will acknowledge batting average in, in your argument that you present. I will acknowledge it, I will respect it, and I will evaluate it. Now, the errors and wins, if you bring that up to me, I don't care. But batting average I do care about. I just personally place more importance on the on-base percentage and the OPS. So those are my golden rules. So if you ever hear me complaining about a bunt, it's because I don't believe in bunting. If you ever hear me 
dismissing a pitcher's record because I don't believe that the records matter at all. And if you ever hear me dismissing an error, it's, it's the same thing. I care about other defensive stats rather than errors. So what stats do I care about? We'll talk about that after the break. So what do I care about? I care about war, wins above replacements. I like to see where guys rank. Because in baseball, especially for the Royals, it's a business. So if a guy is only a win above replacement level, and you're only going to drop off a win, that's the only value he adds to your team, it's a guy for the Royals who it's not worth bringing back, or it's not worth you know, extending, or it's not worth this or that. You've got to think within the construct of your team. But even just without the business side of baseball, in terms of pure evaluation, I would evaluate a player more so based on wins than I would losses. You've got to impact this game in the war category for me to fully anoint you as a good player. A one-war player can be a good player, not a great one. Now, that was the most basic example of one-war. Obviously, it's more complex than that. But I consider a war to be a a very, very important stat when I'm evaluating somebody, when I'm evaluating a player, specifically position players. Another stat I value is the defensive run saved. That Now, this is how I, this is how I lean on fielders. I use the defensive run saved to tell me how many runs are they truly saving me. How good is their, is their fielding level comparatively to the average of fielders? Are they truly saving that much? And this ties into with my next stat, the star catches on StatCast. You can go on StatCast. Uh, I use BaseballSavant.com to get there. And they'll rank plays. You know, They'll say how difficult was this play, and they'll factor in their starting point, their first step, and the probability to catch the ball. Now, a play can look, and I've cited Kevin Kiermaier on this multiple times on this podcast, a play can look very cool, very interesting, very spectacular, outstanding, jaw-dropping, amazing, highlight-worthy. A play can look like that and not actually be that difficult of a play and not be a five-star catch. It can be a two-star catch and look like that if you're in the wrong position, if you take a bad first step, if you make a bad read on the ball, you can turn in what should be an easy catch, probability-wise, to a, how did he do that? And this helps eliminate the bias. This helps eliminate the, the bias of your eyes. Your eyes will always want to make something seem better than they are. So when Kevin Kiermeyer jumps up in the air and, and, and falls on the fence and holds the ball up, in, in victory and triumph. Could he have just camped under that one? Most of the time, yes. Most of the time, he did something to make that catch harder than it actually was. And the star catches and, and combining all of that into one also helps value the, the fielders like Kevin Kiermeyer, who do make spectacular catches, who, who do truly make five-star catches. It helps you realize which ones was actually were actually that spectacular. And again, a lot of the times we see a fancy play and give it a ton of respect and a ton of credit when there were circumstances that the player put on themselves to make it more difficult. So I love the star catches, I love the defensive run saves, and I love war. 
Pitchers, I like ERA, obviously. I like whip. I like the per nines. I just don't like the wins. I, I, I'll tolerate any other pitching stat besides the wins. And for fielders, I, I'll tolerate every other stat besides errors. And at the plate, I'll tolerate every stat, but I just will not value batting average as much as I will value everything else. Traditional batting average. So that's how I watch baseball. That's how I observe baseball. If you want to get more into the strategy of what I think, you know, I, I do believe that the opener is a good strategy, for for example. Mike Matheny has, has mentioned doing that strategy for the Royals. For a team like Kansas City, who's a small market and does not have five quality starters, patching together a fifth day with an opener is, is incredible. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very smart decision. It's a very good decision. The, the Rays uh, exploited that immensely last year. Throwing out guys like Ryan Yarborough, throwing out guys like Trinos, throwing out guys like, you know, those, those caliber of, of arms and making it through the day and, and turning the ball, turning the, the rotation back over to your Blake Snells, to your Charlie Mortons, to your Tyler Glass now. I mean, there was a stretch of the season where they only had three starters. Those were it. Those three guys, two bullpen days, and let's just survive in advance. So I do like the opener. I don't believe in closers. I, I, I don't think that you should have a closer. I think that that's an antiquated you know, concept. A closer should not be only for the ninth inning. You should deploy your closer whenever you're in a high leverage situation. And if that high leverage spot comes in the sixth, bring out your closer. If you've got two on, no outs, only up a run in the sixth, bring in your closer. Because at that point, there's no guarantee you get out of it and survive to the ninth. Then there's also no guarantee that you'll run into a jam again. So that might be your only jam that you need to get out of all game. And if you blow it by sending out your third setup man instead of your closer, your quote-unquote closer, that's just stupid. Use your closer in high leverage spots. And that's one that's been more accepted nationally. Okay, maybe we should use our best closer, our best relief pitcher in the toughest moments of the game and kind of have a revolving door at the quote-unquote closer spot. But it's still one that people have a hard time grasping. In terms of the lineup, I like the idea of having your best hitter hit second. But the lineup is, is more of a team-by-team basis. There's not really a hard and fast rule for me that I would construct a lineup with. And we can talk about how the Royals should construct their lineup uh, later on this week whenever we do a projected 26-man roster, which is something you can look forward to on this podcast. But those are the things that I look for when I'm watching baseball. And again, that's not saying I'm right. That's not saying you have to agree with me. That's not saying that you're wrong. If you if you think that bunting is great and you think that the pitcher wins are amazing and the errors are, are important, I'm not saying that you're outright, outright wrong. I'm just clarifying this is what I believe so that way whenever we continue this journey of this podcast and I start breaking players down and we start getting into the weeds of, of Major League Baseball in the, in the regular season, you'll know where I'm coming from. And as you can tell, I'm a bit of a new age forward-thinking baseball fan. The school of Brian Kinney, so to say. 
But that's what you get whenever you have a 22-year-old host of the Locked and Rose podcast. It'll be fun. This season's going to be awesome. I mean, I've, I've got plans lined up for this podcast. We're going to have credentials to go to some Rose games, go to some minor league games as well to see, see the up-and-coming prospects. It'll be a ton of fun, and I cannot wait. But on Twitter, let me know what you guys think about baseball. How do you watch it? What do you value whenever you're watching baseball? How do you make your decisions? How do you make your assumptions? How do you make your observations about football? Or excuse me, about baseball. Well, and football if you want to, but particularly about baseball uh, on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And so let's quickly preview the Diamondbacks game tonight. After an off day on Monday, the Royals are back in action on Tuesday at 7.05 Central Time. This game will be on Fox Sports Kansas City exclusively, which means that it will be your regular Fox Sports crew with Rex Hudler and all the guys over there. It'll be a bullpen day for the Royals, although right now on MLB.com it says Junis is projected to start, but they have not updated it because he is out with um, a minor injury. No big deal. He's just going to take a rest day today. and It'll be a, quote, bullpen day. Now, in spring training, <laughs> I just got done talking about the openers and how much I like it. In spring training, it's kind of funny to call something a bullpen day because everything's a bullpen day. Even when you have a starter, he goes two innings just like an opener would. The next guy goes two, the next guy goes one, the next guy goes one, and so on and so forth. So the, calling the bullpen day for Tuesday is just kind of funny. But this is the first time you're going to get to see the Royals on Fox Sports Kansas City. They've been on TV three times before this, but they've all been via the road broadcast. So this is the first time you'll have your regular Fox Sports Kansas City crew there. But again, there's no lineup right now because I'm recording this at now, 1 o'clock at Central Time. Still no lineup before the 7 o'clock game, but... Go to Twitter and you'll get the update on that. So there's, it's hard to preview this game in terms of what to watch for, but it will still be fun to watch on an exciting Tuesday. You've got Super Tuesday in politics, a couple good NBA games tonight, a couple good college basketball games tonight. So it'll be a fun Tuesday. We'll have a lot to talk about tomorrow. But again, let me know on Twitter how you watch baseball because I'm very interested in this. I, I'm truly interested in what people view as important what people and what people value. Again, I just told you what I value in baseball whenever I'm watching it and evaluating a player and how I'll be discussing players from here on out on this podcast. I want to know what you guys think. You guys agree? Do you disagree? Am I undervaluing something that you that you value a lot? Did I miss something that, that you want me to go over? Let me know on Twitter, at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So thank you all for listening to the Lockdown Rose Podcast, the only daily Rose Podcast and the fastest growing daily Rose Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Again, I'm your host, Roland Styles, and be good. And be good to one another, and we will see you tomorrow.